Hey everyone, you're listening to the Embrace the Messy podcast with Shannon Schinkel. I'm a high school educator, challenge seeker, lifelong learner, and embracer of all things messy. I find inspiration from individuals who are passionate about learning and embracing change. Join me as I share my experiences and interview people who will inspire you to embrace the messy too. Let's go. High school flashback time again, folks. This time I want to talk about another favorite teacher of mine back in high school, and her name was Sue Meeklem. Sue is the most sparkly, energetic teacher. She was a passionate educator, but what I love most about her was her genuine interest in learning new things. She had this spring in her step and a contagious laugh. Seriously, even in the twilight years of her career, She was always exploring new ideas, reading new books, and trying new lesson plans. She never got sucked into the trap of doing the same thing at the same time in the same way. She always wasn't afraid to laugh at herself. She had an infectious, gravelly giggle that I can still hear in my head. And I just, I loved it so much. So there was this one year, it was grade nine, I believe, that I missed being put into an honors English class by a hair, and I ended up being in Sue Meeklem's English 9 class. I remember when she looked at the roster, and then she looked at me, and I was sitting at the back trying to hide, and or maybe trying to blend in, I'm not sure, I can't quite remember, And but I remember she asked me, what are you doing here? And I shrugged, I didn't have much to say. Here I was, in a regular class and I was desperately missing the learning I could be doing with my friends in the honors class and I must admit I felt a tad misplaced and I felt really sorry for myself for having to learn alongside the quote non-honors kids. I can't deny that I had a holier-than-thou attitude and I was pretty smug about it and I'm not proud of feeling that way. After class, I explained to Sue that I just missed being put into an honors class, um, holding back my privileged cheers, but I was happy that she was my teacher, and that was the truth. I've seen her in the halls, I've seen her in the library, and I just really loved her energy. She was energetic like me. She told me she was determined to make sure I was challenged, despite my circumstances, and these words made me feel a little better. And she stayed true to her word. Between the creative writing assignments and speeches, debates, and book reports, she kept me on my toes. And as a matter of fact, she kept us all on our toes. I also got to know some of my classmates in the class who I might not have met had I remained in honors. I got to help them if they were struggling, which I enjoyed. I got to see what genuine student-teacher connection looked like. I mean, I still wanted to be in honors, and I absolutely loved the honors teachers, which is, I think, another podcast episode eventually. But being in a regular class wasn't as bad as I had worried about. I, I th- It wasn't as bad as I thought, because the teacher, Sue, made it exciting. She bounced into class every day. She went off on discussion tangents, and she let us be us. She was so good with the shy kids. 
used just the right amount of sarcasm and tenderness with the rebellious kids that they actually came quite a bit because they thought she was cool and she took an interest in all the kids. Sue is one of the reasons I became an English teacher and I think about how being in that class also helped me realize that all students can learn when teachers take the time to meet their needs, social, emotional, and academic, and when they bring energy. I was challenged and my needs were met. She could see me struggling in my own way, didn't judge me for wanting to be in honors, and made sure I was given the opportunity to push myself. In fact, I really got to see myself as a leader in this class, as opposed to a competitor in an honors class. While I loved being in honors classes and I got to be in honors classes in grade uh, 10, 11, and 12, I also remember constantly competing with my classmates and chasing grades. And my nerves always got rattled every year by the idea of not getting into the honors class the following year. Sue Meeklum put students at the center of learning rather than herself at the center. And that was more than 35 years ago. It was all about connection. It was all about meeting kids where they were at. So here I am today striving to de-stream classes and show educators that all kids can thrive and excel and feel challenged and good in classes. In August of 2023, I shared that with a group of amazing educators from across Canada at the Canadian Assessment for Learning Masterclass in Ottawa. Over four days, I was in pure assessment nerd heaven, folks. I loved every minute of it, and one of the reasons I loved every minute of it was because I got to connect with Katie White. Katie is an author and consultant with Solution Tree. She's also the current president of the Canadian Assessment for Learning Network and at the time of recording uh, and will be the past president as of airing this episode. She is passionate about assessment, creativity, leadership, and all things learning. Her energy, much like Sue Meeklum's, is infectious. I hope you enjoy my interview with Katie White. Katie White, welcome to the Embrace the Messy podcast. Hi, Shannon. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Well, and this is kind of strange because it's you and I just saw each other I in know. person finally. Um, last week, uh, Katie and I finally met in person, live and in color, when we were when uh, I attended the Canadian Assessment for Learning Network's masterclass in Ottawa, and it was a surreal experience actually getting to see you and give you a hug. And <laughs> I teased you because because for the uh, listeners, Shannon was a tickle. Her plane was a little late, and so she arrived with her teal green suitcase in a flurry. How I knew Shannon needed to enter a room. It was so awesome. Yeah, no, I, I, I entered in my own flamboyant way and announced to everyone that it's okay if I enter in that way because I'm a drama teacher. And I liked how you said when you and I connected later on that you said this. I would never expected anything less from you. So that was great. <laughs> now, uh, of course, I want to dig into all of these questions. But before okay. we dig into that, I am just, I'm so grateful for last week. And I'm so 
grateful for the connections we've created, we've built over the last few years. You've come onto the Beyond Report Cards platform when I, we've done book club. And what I experienced last week was everything I thought you were going to be. And you are, yeah. you are wise and you are kind and you are vulnerable and so smart and such a wonderful speaker that I, I just, you really just lifted up this high school teacher's assessment soul lady. <laughs> well, the feeling was mutual. I, I felt like last week was a real um, meeting of hearts is how I felt uh -huh. it was. You know, uh -huh. it was really powerful. I was really glad to be part of that. Oh, I know. And when we're going to dig into the master class and um, your role as part of the Canadian Assessment for Learning Network, and we're talking about solution tree and teaching. But the first thing I have to ask you is I'm really fascinated by origin stories. What was your journey in terms of when did you decide that you actually wanted to go into education? What was your role in education? And then how did that evolve into working with Solution Tree as a speaker and a consultant? Well, um, you know, I think one of the things I have come to learn about myself in these 53 years is that I never take the easy path. Uh, so I think teaching was in front of me my whole life. My dad was a, a teacher, a career teacher, and and a very um, beloved teacher, you know, so he was inspiring in that way. My grandmother was a teacher. My grandfather was a teacher. So it's like every, my whole life was was teaching, but I was just determined to be a lawyer or a television broadcaster or like anything, but it honestly never occurred to me. And, um, and I was doing a speech in grade 12. We had to do our formal speeches. And at the end of my speech, my grade 12 teacher came up to me, asked me and another classmate to, to visit him at his desk. And he said, have either of you thought of teaching? And neither of us had, he wanted to be an engineer. I wanted to be a lawyer. And uh, he said, I just, I really think you should think about that. And, and I did think about it. And it just kind of hit me that maybe this was something that I wanted to do. So I, I just went into education and I never looked back. And now when I think about it, I think, God, why did it take me so long to figure that out? Like, I, I don't know, I was just being stubborn. I'm just a stubborn person. So anyway, I, I got into um, teaching, started teaching three days before school started because I was backpacking through Europe and I did job interviews in telephone <laughs> from telephone booths <laughs> in France and stuff and eventually landed a job um, in Kindersley, Saskatchewan and taught there for 10 years um, in no area that I thought I was going to. I was going to be a high school English teacher and I ended up teaching grade six homeroom. And I did middle years. Yeah, middle years for 10 years and sort of dabbled in elementary. It was it was a K to seven school. So I flitted back and forth. Then we moved to northern Saskatchewan and I had little children. So I taught part time. I was the uh, fine arts teacher, drama, dance, music, visual art. Um, and then gradually moved elementary back up into middle years. Then I got my first administrative job in a high school. Um, okay. and, and moved up to high school and taught 10 to 12, um, back into middle years to teach some core French and then went back to elementary when I was a principal, became a coach 
became a coordinator at central office. And that's what, that's the position that I retired from in June. So I, I like to say, um, I'm proud to say I've taught every single grade, um, but I wasn't good at all of them, but I tried them all. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know what I'm saying? And I ended up, I, I ended up in, uh, in central office doing some, some leadership stuff, which was a, which was really, really good learning for me. Solution tree came out of left field, to be honest. I was doing, um, some really intensive change work in our, in our school division. We were working on assessment, um, redesign and all of that stuff and had been for 10 years. And Tom Shimmer came to my division to do some work in the area of PBIS. So he he wasn't coming for assessment. He was coming for a different reason. This was early in, in his work as well. And we would meet at lunch. I'd just sit at his table and we'd talk and talk about everything and the changes we were doing and the changes he was doing. And uh, I ended up writing a little excerpt for him from uh, in grading from the inside out. And then and then he just, they were doing the assessment center with Solution Tree. It was a new thing, Nicole Dimich and Cassie Erkins and Tom. And he just said, this is something that might interest you. Do you want to audition? So I I uh, went to um, Indiana and auditioned for a, a weekend. I call it the American Idol, where you had to do like <laughs> group presentations and paired. And then you had to do a timed individual's uh, presentation and it was very grueling. And uh, and then that's how I just ended up there. I, you know, it, I wasn't even really, maybe I was looking for it. I mean, I think you put stuff out into the universe and it happens, uh-huh, but uh-huh. but I didn't even know what Solution Tree was. So how I ended up there is, is was kismet really. And, uh, and then the rest is history, I well, guess. It, it opened up <laughs> doors in terms of being able to um, be able to, you know, yoke the Solution Tree platform to do much of your writing, right? Mm-hmm. Very yeah. much so. Yeah, because I, because I, I, I'm that weird combination. Some of the people who work, well, who do educational consulting, they start with writing and then they, they present on their work. I started as a facilitator because that was really where my skill set was. And then, and then I started writing. And so I kind of did it backwards, but it was, I, as a publishing company, they've been very supportive of my vision for what it is I'm writing. And so, yeah, it's been a really good partnership for sure. Now through Beyond Report Cards, when we've done book club with you, where, you know, for your books, uh, Softening the Edges and Student Self-Assessment, one of the things that you you've mentioned is while you were the majority of your time, I take it, you were working as a consultant, as a facilitator, and you were doing quite a bit of travel. You also were keeping, you know, your feet in the classroom, so to speak, right? Substitute teaching, um, et cetera. Was that really important to you that you you maintain, you know, having your feet in the classroom as as a classroom teacher of smaller humans, as as in tandem with being a teacher and a coach of bigger grown-up humans yeah i i think i think where that comes from for me is um when i'm in a room with youth or children i feel at home and i miss them when i'm not with them and so when i can find myself back in a classroom space it just it just revitalizes me and reminds me of the difficulty of the job that we do 
and the priorities of the work we do and the very real humans who who were serving, right? And and I just so it was important. At the same time, I have to be honest, it was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to try and balance the, you know, the the division office job, the consulting and then the classroom. But you know, a, a few years ago, we needed an online teacher for high school English and I took it. Um, I was terrified. But I did it anyway. Um, we were just recovering from the pandemic and work, you know, I wasn't getting as many travel days, which was great. And right, so I did right. this. And again, like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, those, <laughs> those kids schooled me. So um, I was writing student self-assessment at the time and I was trying out the templates and tools and processes that I write about. Oh, that's so and, smart. Yeah, it was like literally a lab. So, you know, when things wouldn't work, I would try and adjust them. And so I think it's really helped me also frame the writing and sort of the research in a way that's, you know, I like to talk about what doesn't work as much as what works. Like there's, I've just learned a lot. And I think that we all set off with, with, um, you know, our hearts full and our hopes high and then we meet complex humans and things go sideways sometimes. And I'm really interested in that. I think that's where the art of teaching lies. And so if I don't get in front of kids every now and then, I'm not reminded of that enough. You know, it's just well, important. I I really, I can see how you are using what you're doing in the classroom with those students. It comes across in your books, right? Because you, mm-hmm. you have such beautiful examples of the you know how students respond to to the books so you wrote you started with unlocked which is all about unleashing the creative potential in students that it's not just something you know creativity isn't just something that you're you, one is born with born with mm-hmm. right and you know then you moved on and did softening the edges which i love because you differentiate between what are those hard edges in assessment how can we you know soften those edges and and you know guide it towards more student-centered approaches Mm -hmm. which I think then it was such a natural subsequent book to do the student self-assessment I can almost envision it happening after Mm -hmm. reading softening the edges because you were already on that journey of you know showing how students can be at the center and how self-assessment is so important for you know metacognition and but it's so your recent book student self-assessment is so accessible with all the different frameworks and yet it's organized in such a way give it a spin right? Give this framework a spin, give, give this, you know, handout a spin in terms of what, how is it going to actually work for you? And if that instills, I think, a sense of hope. Did you mean to do that in, in your book that we're, I feel really hopeful when I read your books, like I can oh, do that's this. Good. I can embrace the messy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yes. And I think that all of my books, um, they are very related. So I'm glad that you see that relationship because I, I feel like softening the edges is the foundation and and everything kind of flows out of it. It's kind of like... Um, it's, it's a great like starting the, point for educators yeah. when it comes to assessment, right? Right, brand the new teachers. Progressions, continuums, et cetera. Yes, right. yes, Looking yes. at all the types of assessment. So, so hope, yes, but also humanity, also um, wholeness, 
also relationship between teachers and students. When I wrote Softening the Edges in particular, but also Unlocked and all the others, I, 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 I just, I, I guess I continue to worry about how we talk about assessment. I continue to worry about how we use assessment. Um, and I understand where it comes from. And it's, you know, I have great compassion for teachers trying to wrestle with this topic. And I wrestled with it too. But I feel like I just want to keep reminding folks to just slow down, step back from the, you know, the the weeds and just remember why we're doing it. And I mean, it's for kids, but it's more than that. We're, we're assessing because we need to make decisions mm-hmm. and we only make good decisions when we have good information and we get that good information through assessment. And so it's almost like we've overcomplicated the concept to the point where people are like, you know, they think of it as something different and um, they're not sure where to go or how to even start. And so I think all of those books were just a reminder Remember why we're here. Remember what we're trying to learn. Remember how we're going to respond. How can we do this in a way that partners with students? That's just the vision I keep trying to throw forward in my writing. Uh, I I really appreciate the fact that you. I like how you use the word humanize, right? Mm. And I know today I was just giving a workshop this morning, and you know talking about you know tr- you know shifting to standards based grading and actually doing it you know properly and designing criteria which I don't have to get into all those the details but one of the words I actually used today was how humane of a structure mm-hmm. it is when you put students at the center when you acknowledge their recent evidence of learning when you create criteria and have as Rick Stiggins says you know it, hold, it stands still for them so they actually mm-hmm. feel like they can you know move up levels and those kinds of things so I, I love that um, another way educators can access access um, all things assessment is through the Canadian Assessment for Learning Network. Yeah. And right. And I mean, what a network. Like, it's just incredible. Now, I don't know. I'm not like I, I, I've been a part of Kathleen in terms of as a as a member for several years. I did. I've done a speaking um, engagement, I think it was during COVID and, and mm-hmm. that kind of thing, which was I, I just, you know, over Zoom. It's just not the same as in person, I know. Katie. I know. <laughs> right. And I know. <laughs> I know the the founders are Damian Cooper, Lauren Earl, and Ken O'Connor. And of course, mm-hmm. I don't know the history, and I don't, you know, if you want to tell us the history, you can. But what, why did you decide to get involved with with Kathleen? And you know, what does Kathleen mean to you? Well, uh, like everything else, I come about it the difficult way. So I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know about Kaflin uh, when it was in its origins. I wasn't uh, familiar with it at all. Because that's um, like 40 years ago when it was started, right? <laughs> 10. 10 years 10? ago. Oh, okay. So, so Lauren... <laughs> So Lerna was embellishing a little hyperbole. No, I know. Okay. Just 10. We're so, we celebrated our 10th Ten's anniversary good. this year. Yeah. 10th Ten, good. <laughs> so, um, so, so what happened was they were holding a conference or they were planning on hosting a conference somewhere. And this, I, 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 I won't even say where I think it was because I'm probably wrong, but somewhere else in Canada and it fell through. The plans fell through. The location fell through. So it ended up being in Saskatoon. Because the the president at the time, Lori Jeske, 
was a director uh, in Saskatchewan. And so she just she just pulled it over to the University of Saskatchewan and hosted that one there. And I knew Lori through our work in Saskatchewan together. And um, and so she asked if I would lead a session. So I went as a facilitator of a session and witnessed really the conference um, for the first time through that lens. And like the second I got in the room, I knew it was different. I totally um, loved the the co-constructed, um, like everybody was working towards the same conversations. It wasn't one person at the front presenting. There was, you know, just, it was just so different and it was such a beautiful community. And so I got curious. So the next year they had it in Halifax. I think that's right. Yes. And I attended that one as well. And um, I think I might've facilitated a session, but I don't remember if I did. But that one was even more different. Um, there was metaphors and we were moving things and it was just this really amazing thing. And then I was just hooked. Uh, I went to their symposium and next thing I knew I was on the board uh, as the editor of the newsletter and then that was it. Um, it. It just, there's something about Kathleen that's different. Well, first of all, it's a not-for-profit, which does make a difference. Uh-huh. Um, their mission is very, very focused on assessment for learning. Um, Lorna, Ken, and Damien are very cohesive in their vision. And um, and and the group functions as a true network. So it's it's really... It's really everybody sort of figuring stuff out together. Um, nothing's ever done in isolation. It's just a, a really rich community. And so so that's how I got involved. And then I just ended up being president um, through circumstances. I, I wasn't supposed to be, and all of a sudden I was. And, uh, and that's what I've been doing the last two years is trying to figure all that out. <laughs> well, there's there's a symmetry to it, right? Like... And I think it just models so effectively for educators being a part of a Kathleen conference like the mm-hmm. masterclass, like when you went to Halifax and Saskatoon, when we actually experience what true collaboration and connection is, that's the kind mm-hmm. of thing we're experiencing that we can actually take into our classrooms. That's what I, I really felt like, you know, this is how possibilities for how we can actually even structure our units and the way in which we're, you know, focusing on teaching and learning. And it can be this organic process. And I, mm-hmm. and I can just see that you were all on the same page, but it was never, like you said, there was this balance in the masterclass of I am a, I'm going to use the word expert and I'll just use air quotes, an expert in this. So I am sharing my knowledge and my wisdom in this area. And here's another person sharing their knowledge. How will that maybe help you with your inquiry question? So for listeners who don't know this in the masterclass, everyone who came, there were 30 of us. I think it was about 30, right? I think it was about 30. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're at 33 or something. Everyone came with like an inquiry question. Like what is it that they were trying to solve or try to achieve or, or make baby steps growth towards? And 
we actually, you know, then connected with each other. So it wasn't just like we weren't inundated with workshop after workshop after workshop. We actually got that time to really wrestle with with some of our own ideas. And I know that you appreciate that too, as uh, you know, as uh, as the as a member of Kathleen. I think the word you used last week was the word. I'm a member of Kathleen. It's actually for very selfish reasons. And I think that's a beautiful way of putting it, right? Can you go tell me, tell me a little, tell us a little bit more about what you meant by that? Well, I think, I think it, it comes from, you know, m- most days I'm traveling to places, um, running the show, right? So I'm the knower and the facilitator and you know, you know what that's like. And there's a, there's a real, um, I guess it's an internal pressure. I don't know that it's necessarily external, although people are paying me to do this work, but this real uh, drive to to be what people need me to be, right? Um, so that I can help advance their work. When I am involved in Kaflin, it's not it's it's not that I'm not you know leading some things and that I don't have a vision and all of that. It's just that there's the luxury of of listening. And there's the luxury of wondering and being unsure and and learning. You know, if, if we jump back to Halifax, I have to tell you, this is when I was, this really exemplifies the difference between Kaflin and other things. One of the opening keynotes at the Halifax conference was a member brought in his junior band. So there was mm. uh, an auditorium at the front filled with students and their instruments and he presented them a new piece of music and then he modeled the feedback cycle literally the kids were learning the music in front of us and he was coaching them and they were it was like breathtakingly beautiful and that to me exemplifies why Kathleen is is a selfish endeavor. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. in that beautifully selfish. <laughs> I'm I am I was transformed by that. Not only the the assessment and watching it live, but also the community and the safety and just it was just a beautiful thing and I just don't think I get that in other places all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it through no one's fault. It's just um, you know, this just happens to be a group of people who are interested in sharing ideas in a different way. And, and it's very, it feeds my, my understanding of myself as well. It feeds your soul, right? Yeah, you and I, really does. I feel such a connection with you because I get this sense that you are this lifelong learner. You're always learning and growing and you don't view yourself. I'm an expert done and seen, mm, right? I've no my way. Books, I'm done. I know everything. And I think that's so important. And again, you know, if I come back to the to the masterclass, of course, that was my first experience as being actually part of a conference. I mean, I presented at the one again, it was over Zoom, which was kind of a surreal, odd experience doing it over Zoom. Right. But uh, many educators are doing all of this work in a silo. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them might work in a little with a little pod or a, a small team, but then to come together I mean, Wasn't that, that, was, great? that was the clincher here. You know, I didn't know what to expect, right? I was 
I looked at the list of names and I saw myself as, you know, one of four, I think, classroom teachers. And so I'm thinking, mm -hmm. what is this going to be like? I'm going to be within a room full of administrators and consultants. I didn't know where they were on their journey. I didn't know what mm -hmm. I'd be, for lack of a better word, someone who's really knowledgeable and they weren't, or they're going to be really knowledgeable and I'm going to be kind of on the low end and what's going to happen. And we actually, when we all got to talking, we actually realized we're all pretty much working towards, you know, the same type of goal. We're all either Absolutely. stuck, not maybe stuck's not the right word. We're not, we're having, we're struggling with, we're wrestling with how can we shift the assessment culture in mm -hmm. our buildings and in our districts Yep. And so it was just so beautiful because it became where everyone was a resource for each other. Right? Mm -hmm. We actually got to, to work together and that's where the resources were. It wasn't just, you know, it wasn't here, make sure you get these books and hire, you know, these people to come into your room. No, The resources were each other. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't that powerful? I mean, so powerful. I, I didn't, I didn't know exactly what it would be either. I don't think any mm. of us did. And the design, I mean, Lorna and Martha, the, the designers and Roz, um, of course, had thought about it a lot more, but, um, but also what I loved was the willingness of the participants and the facilitators to step in together amid not being sure and just mm -hmm. go for it. Like, like there was a, there was a risk taking that I appreciated because we became very familiar with each other very quickly. And I thought that that was also, you know, that required giving of yourself and, and people mm -hmm. were very open. Yeah. It mm -hmm. speaks to good people. That's what it is. And teachers are good people. So there you well, go. I was, I was beautifully exhausted at the end of yes. every day because <laughs> I came home and I said, this was unlike anything I've ever experienced even like maybe the closest would be some kind of like an ed camp would maybe yeah. be the closest that I've been part of before but the fact that we had that time to really wrestle with our with our problems with our dilemmas and then again like use each other as supports so in addition to conferences what else does Kathleen have to offer for listeners who are like, well, this sounds pretty interesting. Does that mean I have to go to Halifax for Ottawa for a conference? Because there's a lot of other really yeah. great resources through the Canadian for Assessment for Learning Network. Can you share a little bit about that? Sure. So we're like, we're in evolution. So, so I would say, you know, I, I hesitate to even offer the roster because I think it changes. We're very creative, sure. Sure. very creative sure. organization, sure. but here's, here's what I know. Um, we're going to alternate probably a masterclass with an inst uh, uh, a conference. So next year, I think okay. we're doing a conference, maybe October, okay. maybe Alberta. Um, okay. None of that solid, but I think that that's the plan is to alternate those. Um, and they're different because a masterclass is smaller, more intimate. It's people who are really have already waded into the assessment world and they're, you know, they're wanting to dig in deeper and a conference is for anybody and everybody. I mean, you could be anywhere along, along your journey. Um, and, and what, what I will just say is those conferences have never failed to offer a conference experience in a different way as well, which is pretty amazing. So um, those are the two big things. And so if you're a member, I mean, you get you get cut rates on your fees, and we have scholarships for travel. And like, there's, there's things that happen. 
also Kaflin, um, you know, really had to wade into the virtual world during the pandemic. And I think we found it a beautiful way to connect with each other across Canada because we are pan-Canadian. So we have virtual um, series. We're engaging in a decolonizing and indigenizing uh, assessment series. We had five this year. I think we're continuing that next year. On top of that, we have members-only events like Kaflin Conversations, where you can drop in and talk with people um, who are teaching similar things to you or have similar questions to you. And that's um, that's a membership-only kind of thing. And that happens several times during the year. Uh, there's newsletters. There's the board. I mean, if you want to be part of a board or a committee, that you know, we, there's lots of work there around research, inquiry, resources, oh, communication. Yes. Yeah. You name it. So that's, there's there's lots. That's really significant. That's what I was going to touch on there because, okay, for one thing, for listeners, if you're if you don't like want like the idea of becoming a member, keep in mind though you can still stay connected yeah. on the Kaflin website, which is www.kafln.ca. Right. And you will see that there are opportunities where you can experience be part of a webinar and at a maybe a very affordable price you might have to pay to see that. Which 20 is bucks small, a session. I know it's like 20 bucks a session. Yeah. Um and I know I was part of the decolonizing assessment um structure. I wasn't part of it, but I I watched um I think there were five sessions and I watched yeah. four and they were just spectacular because it is it was such it's such a hot topic. It mm. is such a difficult topic to wrestle with. And I really got so much out of it. Like Me I too. just gleaned so much. I wrote notes like crazy. It was fantastic. But the other one is you mentioned the inquiry. And if there are listeners who are interested in the assessment topics and you, you know, attend a conference or actually, do they have to attend a conference to be part of Spirals of Inquiry? You or don't, but you, you do need to be a member. Well, you need to be a member. Be a member, okay. For the time yep. that you're okay. engaged in the inquiry, but you can engage in an inquiry, and there's grants that are afforded so that you can have sub release or you can oh. do whatever it is you need to do. So we've had like we have had a math group who's met over a number of years from across Canada talking about AFL in mathematics. Like that's just an mm -hmm. example. Mm -hmm. um, the indigenous colonizing assessment group is an inquiry group. So they're, you know, they're offering the series, but they're also exploring, um, you know, ways to expand on that knowledge and all of that. So that's also a possibility for sure is, is if you have a team and you're just looking for um, some support, you can do it through Kaflin. Especially if, you know, especially now, again, when we have things like in BC, we have our new reporting order yes. and the connections we're trying to make aren't in our buildings. We might be making connections and, um, you know, maybe through Beyond Report Cards, people meet and they're from all over BC or all across Canada. They can get together and go, hey, let's do this research. Research is not just going to be something exclusive to, you know, being part of like a university you know, right. you know, community and, and working on a master's which I find, you know, that's, I think that's so important. And I, I got to say, again, listeners, just really go to the website and explore the resources that are on there. Um, I know uh, if you can, you know, reach out to Katie, what is your website, Katie, where people can actually try to connect with you? Well, you can always reach me through um, X, 
<laughs> I know. I thought it's so ridiculous, <laughs> isn't it? Still, Katie True. White 426. <laughs> it's just so goofy. <laughs> so you can find me through there, Katie White 426. Don't follow just Katie White. That's the musician from the Ting Tings. Yeah. But no, <laughs> you have to have the 426. Um, okay. Also, uh, I have a I have a website called Katie White Consulting. You're welcome to to search that out. Um, I have an Instagram account at Soft Edge Learning. So you can reach out to me any of those ways. Also, you can hit me through the Kathleen website. Um, I think if you click on my profile, our emails are there. So any of those places to ask. Um, we have our AGM on September 27th. If you're curious, you know, send me an email and we'll get you, we'll get you um, hooked up to that so that you can hear what's happening. So yeah, That's, we'd love new members. It's so awesome. I'm going to be a team member uh, uh you know chatting with i, I kind of knew going into the master class yeah. last week that i wanted to be but you kind of you <laughs> feel it out and try to see and for me i'm someone who's juggling like i'm i'm doing a podcast now i like to blog i teach full time you know i'm virtually an empty nester you know and but i don't i mean i don't have time to be a board member but i can be a team member so there's right. just wonderful little ways that people can be part of it and if they want to just be be a member and and you know birds eye view and just lurk and and you know relish all the resources they can you juggle you juggle a lot right like you've made massive shifts and it's so in, inspiring to me um, cause we're, we're close to the same age where, you know, we, you've evolved, right. You've retired from teaching younger people and you're mm -hmm. still continuing to teach and consult and be part of, of Kathleen. How has that been, you know, trying to, to juggle everything and still maintain, like, I hate to use the word balance, right? Like mm -hmm. it's cause each day is going to be different. How do you stay so enthusiastic and positive about this? Because again, I feel like you and I are cut from the same energy cloth, right? Yeah. You're so perky. <laughs> like, right? oh, I know. Well, there's an interest, right? There's a passion. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I think that's what it is. So so for the record, I I don't maintain balance. The yeah. answer is I don't. No, uh, and I don't, and I don't think anyone it's, does. It's I'm impossible. Like, it's like, what does Dr. Jody Carrington say? I don't want to say the bad word, but it's balance is BS, right? Because yeah. each day you're going to have days that are like, you're ready to just like pass out, right? Yeah. And then the next day feels like it's even, right? It, there's no such thing, I think, as balance every single day. No, but, tell, but I, tell me I think, I think what I'm learning, and I only think I'm at the beginning of wisdom now, mm -hmm. um, but but what I'm figuring out is I'm figuring out my limits mm -hmm. and I'm working on setting boundaries. And, and I think the big thing, when you're part of public education, um, lots of boundaries are set for you. So you have a day, you know, you have a school day and you have five days a week and then you have weekends. And I'm not saying we don't work for all of those, but there's 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 boundaries. You you have a pay structure that's dependable. You've got all these things. And when you move to an independent consultant, um, even part time, I think I think I found it tricky to set my own boundaries. I just waited for mm -hmm. other people. And part of my boundaries were when I'm done my work, then I can rest. That's how I used to function. 
And I, I have completely flipped that, um, whether it was the pandemic or I think I was on the cusp of it before the pandemic, where I realized that I can only do this work if I care for myself. That that was a major, like, so the, the rest has to come first, right? It doesn't come when you've earned it. And I think that's a different mindset. And so over the last number of years, and I'm, and I'm not skilled at it, but I'm practicing scheduling in breaks, you know, making sure, blocking my calendar, making sure that I say yes to the things that feed my heart and not accepting yeah. things that don't or where I don't yeah. feel like I can actually do the, do good work for folks. Um, you know, I'm not hustling to another book entirely quickly. I'm just kind of l- mm-hmm. letting myself ruminate. So it's, it's just like, it really is that day to day. What do I need today? How can I manage this? Um, but, you know, Shannon, I think, you know, being that you and I are cut from the same cloth and a lot of your listeners will be as well. Part of the part of the challenge is identity work because we can't mm, always, mm-hmm. you know, I, I always get a, a big hit from helping people. Like that's a big part of yeah, who I am, yeah, and so too. I want to. I say yes, 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 yes. I can do yes to all the things, and at some point, I think we have to. We're going to have to reckon with that monster because, yeah, yeah. because she doesn't serve us all the time, and so that's yeah. my work. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. that's my work anyway. Yeah. And I think that I think that's such an important uh, aside conversation to have because you know we're we're human, right? And mm-hmm. we're we're wrestling with a lot of other things and I and I remember one of the things you talked about last week is taking these moments of two and we're we're feeling overwhelmed and those are the times that even in our classrooms where you might need to step out and take a breath, right? Where you take need just two minutes to yourself. There is nothing selfish about taking care of your heart and your mind and your soul, right? Yeah. Um, we're going to have days where we say yes to too many things. Can we now reflect on that? Like, I love how you mentioned the identity piece. Can I reflect on that and go, oopsie, <laughs> I was a little yeah. too much that day. Let's, uh, and, and, you know, and not try to, you know, we, we t- teachers, you know, we're workhorses and we just try to push ourselves right to the end, right? Because we know right. summer's coming, you know, that kind of thing. We have to make sure that we take care of ourselves. And I guess if anything, you know, if we're going to talk about balance, you know, balancing the pauses with, with, with the energy that we, we give away. Exactly. Right? You can't pour from an empty cup, right? That's exactly right. And, you know, back to the network idea, I mean, part of it also is I, I now, you know, I can see where I might retire at some point in the future. And so my goal now is to build capacity. It's, mm-hmm. it's not to be the person who can fix it. It's to build a network of people who can continue thinking even when I'm not here, right? So that's that's been a real mind shift too, because instead of saying yes, what I'm trying to train myself to say is, are there other people who might be better for this work, who are closer to this work, you know, who I can share this work with? I, I think that's a healthier way to approach this for sure. Yeah, and I think it's a great way to look at it in our schools, right? Where that's the other takeaway is I saw the way you all networked and collaborated. If yes, I might be the assessment lead in my building next year, but I want to build that capacity so that folks can continue to do the work on their own. And I'm not like doing it all for them. Right. Like, right. And and so I just, like I said, I just thought you 
all just model that that so beautifully. So, you know, just thank you so much from the from the bottom of my heart. It was just thank you. Such, <laughs> such, such a wonderful experience. So I want to end with what I do at the end of every podcast episode, and that's called the elevator pitch. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. So the idea <laughs> the idea with the elevator pitch is you're on like say the third floor, someone gets on the elevator, they hit the six floors, you've got six floors and that elevator isn't stopping. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. It's not stopping. So you've just got a brief amount of time. So here it is. So an educator gets on the elevator with you and tells you that they want to embrace assessment reform, but they're scared to take the first step or they're afraid that they might become an island. What would you say to them that might give them even just a little bit of hope to embrace the messy? The elevator's moving, right? Okay, so. (laughs) So it hasn't started yet. Give you a chance to think, right? (laughs) I think I would say, well, first of all, I'm excited that somebody wants to embrace assessment change. That's great. You know, I think what I would say in my elevator pitch is try and center yourself in what you want assessment to do for you. So really take back ownership of the assessment process as something that helps you do what you do better. Uh, And then and then I would follow that up with the best way to empower yourself and your students in the assessment process is to dig into the work, dig into the products that kids are creating, um, into your observations and conversations and figure out what it te- what it's telling you about your next steps. Just let go of the scores for a while, let go of needing to fill a grade book or create a report card and just get back to the essence of assessment, which is is information that helps us make good decisions. Give yourself permission to do that. That's probably oh, what I'd say. That's fantastic. Oh. I could talk to you forever, <laughs> right? Same, I'm same. telling you, I love you, lady. I oh, mean, I, got I, just, you. I mean, it's, I just, I've loved having this conversation with you. And I'm, I'm so proud of the work, proud of all of you at Kathleen for all the work that you're doing. And I am looking forward to continuing conversations in the future. Thank you so awesome. much for coming. Thank you, Shannon. This was a true pleasure. I'm honored to have produced this and all episodes of the Embrace the Messy podcast with Shannon Schinkel on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded lands of the Clay Lake First Nation. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and share it with a colleague or friend. Doing so will help others find the podcast. Know someone who embraces the messy and would make a great guest on the pod? Email me at embracethemessypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.